hi and welcome to the Allplane podcast where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before we start, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, are available on the Allplane website. That's allplane.tv. A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E dot TV. Today in the podcast, we're going to talk about an initiative that aims to solve a problem that has become incredibly relevant in recent times. The intricate maze of regulations and different entry requirements that governments all over the world have been implementing and and then kept changing during the COVID pandemic and even afterwards have become a major source of uncertainty for travelers and a major obstacle basically to do any travel planning, since it is not always clear which requirements do travelers have to comply with. Our guest today, Jean-Marc Bourreau, is a partner at a government advisory firm called Consulum, which has been instrumental in drafting a policy white paper that calls for the harmonization of travel requirements around the world. This is not just for COVID, but basically to set up a new international framework that can address similar situations in the future. This policy white paper will be discussed at the annual assembly of the International Civil Aviation Organization that starts this September 27th. It aims to bring clarity, transparency, and peace of mind in this field. Its original sponsor has been the Saudi Arabia Civil Aviation Organization, called GACA, as part of its efforts to raise the profile of the country in the global commercial aviation industry. So now it is up to the other countries that are members of the International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO, to discuss it and maybe implement these recommendations in the near future. So tune in to today's episode to learn more about this important initiative from one of the people that has been most directly involved in its elaboration. Let me welcome Jean-Marc to the podcast. Hello, Jean-Marc. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Excellent. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much for joining us today. I think from sunny Cape Verde. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yes. And I think you are already packing to travel to Canada for the upcoming ICAO assembly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's a very exciting moment for, for aviation after this uh, terrible pandemic that we, we lived through seeing that uh, the world is uh, reconnecting for this major event and looking at shaping the future of aviation. So it's, uh, it's not only a pleasure, it's also an honor to be participating in, in such an amazing event. An event where basically you're going to be presenting a project that you've been working on for quite some time. I actually had the chance to learn a bit more about it earlier this year in May when I attended the uh, Future Aviation Forum in in Saudi Arabia. That's the Harmonizing Air Travel Initiative that we're going to cover in detail now. But first of all, just a few lines about yourself, if you don't mind, for, for the audience so that they know a little bit more about you and your professional background because you've been in aviation for quite some time, I think. Yes, absolutely. I, I think I was in aviation way before I started working in, in many ways. Uh, I'm one of these lucky person who can actually work in an area in which uh, I have a strong interest and a passion. It's more than an interest, it's a passion, really. Uh, so in addition to working in aviation in different, you know, at, at airports and in consulting and in other capacities, I'm also a, a pilot, but just a private pilot. So mm-hmm. when I'm not working in aviation, I'm thinking aviation or dreaming aviation. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's that's quite quite a thing that you come across often here in this industry. That there are so many people that are really passionate about the industry, you know. So like for many it's it's not just a job, but it's something of a life passion as well. So you are a partner at Consulum, 
which is a company that has been providing technical and advisory support to the Saudi Arabia Aviation Authority, GACA, basically in coming up with a, an initiative that I, I found it quite interesting in these times we're living through, which is the Harmonizing Air Travel Initiative. It's a project that you will explain now in more detail, but basically aims to define an international framework for travel requirements, including health or primarily health requirements, so that people can feel more comfortable flying in times of pandemic, for example, like the one we've been experiencing recently. What can you tell us about, about this project? How does it work? And what are the, let's say, the milestones that are ahead? Yeah, thank you very much, Mika. Well, maybe we'll, we'll take a step back on this. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to, to clarify, we, we are the advisor and uh, providing technical support to the Civil Aviation Authority of, of Saudi Arabia, of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia on this matter. We are advisors, so we're not presenting directly the initiative at the General Assembly. Our support consists in really making sure that, or that, that those people who will be speaking at the Assembly are absolutely briefed and can promote this, this initiative. It's, it's always a, a challenge even when you have, or maybe especially when you have what we believe is a great idea, to, to convince people that it is indeed the case and that you can improve the life of passengers, that you can improve um, the efficiency of governments, that you can make the life of airlines easier. So this uh, harmonizing air travel policy is about all that, mm -hmm. or initiative is about all that. Uh, I'm already... Talking about the future, uh, this initiative hopefully will, will become a policy and uh, if widely adopted, really what it does is uh, making life easier for passengers. So what does that mean? Where is this coming from? You, you, you mentioned the pandemics, yes. Uh, but if we, we think a bit before the pandemics already, our, our travel industry has evolved in, in such a way that volumes are very high that thinking constantly about safety, thinking constantly about security, we want to improve these elements which are critical to, to, for the health of our, of our industry. But by doing this, we also add requirements. We also add steps to already complex processes. So fundamentally, pandemics or no pandemics, the philosophy of this uh, initiative is to put the passenger back at the center of the process. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to um, just make, make a, a question here. So it's not just about health, but it's, all, it's about all sorts of travel requirements uh, that a, a traveler might face before embarking on a, on a journey, on a travel journey. The initiative really is centered about health requirements, on health requirements, uh, because clearly with the pandemic, we, we saw that we, we need to improve very much in this area. Mm -hmm. Now, can the same concept be applied to other requirements of air transport? Absolutely. But sometimes, you know, good ideas need to start with some uh, practical steps, some practical implementation that will allow seeing a difference uh, between the before and after its implementation. So originally... This initiative is absolutely about harmonizing health requirements, but the structure of what is proposed absolutely could be developed into something much more powerful, assuming that what we are proposing works in this initial stage. 
And just a basic situation in which you, you want to travel as a traveler, you are required the same information many, many times by different organizations, by different authorities. And we sort of accepted that. And this is the world in which we, we lived in. Now, with the pandemics, the same information that is being asked at different stages of our travel was on top of that being interpreted in different ways, in different systems. And this created a lot of uncertainty for the passengers. I think that we were all very much used to having a passport, having a visa, and everybody knew the game. So we are used to a system and, and we just navigate that system. What we see with the pandemics is that all of a sudden we have no requirements being set, I mean, being implemented and forced upon, on passengers and with different rules. Consequence, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. Is this certificate that I have in here going to be enough in this country? Is it going to be enough in this other country? Does it apply when I'm in transit or does it not apply when I'm in transit? Uh, why do I need two shots in this place and three in this one? Why do I have to quarantine seven days in here and 14 in there? And this creates uncertainty. And uncertainty is not good for anything. It's not good for business. It's not good for trust. It's not good for confidence. And when confidence and when passengers are not confident that they don't have a reasonable confidence that they can reach that destination without some major hiccup on the way, guess what? They just don't travel. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the philosophy of this initiative is to take out this uncertainty, to just find a way to ensure that what information is available is available to everyone across the board, to all airlines, to all authorities, to all passengers, in such a way that we are in a comfortable position because we know that we will reach our destination. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the whole concept. And essentially, this is what we mean by putting the passenger back in the center of, of the process. So how does that relate to Saudi Arabia and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Very simple. Saudi Arabia, as, as you know, is launching uh, extraordinarily ambitious programs to develop its aviation system, its air transport system. Yes. And mm -hmm. the way to achieve this is by offering new processes, better processes that are going to allow the kingdom to compete, offering a higher quality of service. And what better way to achieve this than promoting globally accepted policies that make life easier for passengers? Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Some staggering numbers we have heard about recently about the future projects in aviation in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia. And before moving on, I just wanted to, to explain a little, little personal point here, because when I heard about this initiative, I could totally relate to it because a few days before that, I had a, an experience that basically illustrates that. And someone close to me that uh, was trying to fly from Moscow to, to the Gulf had a flight to Sharjah, but then obviously in the UAE, you have different Emirates and they might have different rules. And there were informations about basically the type of vaccines that are accepted in the Emirates. Unfortunately, I must say that the information for Sharjah Airport was not matching what was, had been posted in other, in other sources I was checking. So it was a bit confusing. I tried to contact customer support there. I didn't get a satisfactory an answer. What happened at the end, I had to cancel the ticket because 
I was I couldn't be sure that you know the information was not 100% reliable. So I totally understand what what the uh, what this what this is all about. Even now in Europe, I was checking now uh, Spain, for example, where I'm, has just discontinued the online form that you need to fill in but you still have to produce the documents if they ask for them. So there's a lot of information out there that is not completely satisfactory and that obviously uh, it's, it's always a barrier to travel. Absolutely, and the uncertainty can come from many different sources. It could be that there is not a source of information that can be trusted unequivocally. Uh, we have seen during this pandemic some countries that were publishing on official websites different regulations at the same time. Yeah. For example, you would have uh, regulations regarding COVID requirements published on the ministry, uh, the website of the Ministry of Health that mm -hmm. would be different than what would be published on the website of the Ministry of Transport that could be maybe different from what is published on the website of the Civil Aviation Authority of that country. Uh, that's number one. So that, that's, of course, if you, you turn you know, to the official source of information and the official source of information uh, provides different uh, requirements. It's, yeah. it's very confusing. Then you have also other source of uncertainties coming from the fact that airlines may not be, uh, you know, may not possess the right information to go to a country. It did happen to one of my children trying to travel to from from the country to our country of residence back minor, and the airline would not let him board because it did not have the test that they required. Mm -hmm. And I said, but please get me on the line with the station manager, with whoever is in charge. I'm working actually with the government where I live and I have the regulations here. Mm -hmm. And actually we have been working on it. So I know exactly what the regulation is. They did not accept anything. And my son was stranded for three days mm. in a foreign country, in a place wow. where we didn't have any support because the airline did not want to apply what was the official regulation to come back home. That's exactly the, the sort of situation I was fearing in this case I mentioned, because, for example, in this case, the person traveling had been vaccinated, but with the Russian vaccine, which, which is accepted in the UAE, but it was not listed in the airline website. It was not listed in the, in this case, Sharjah Airport website. Contacting customer support, they would just refer you back to the same website, which didn't match what the official UAE website was, was mentioning. So at the end, you say, well, I'm going to risk it or not. In this case, I prefer not to risk it uh, because you don't want to get stranded or you don't want to be denied boarding, right? So that happens all the time. So what this initiative would do for that? Can you tell us a bit more about how this would work in practice? Absolutely. Absolutely, Mikel. Uh, the, the ambition here is to think of these inconveniences that we mentioned and provide a solution so that it does not happen. So in practice, what this would do, the number one is, is providing a platform that can be used as the ultimate reference in terms of what the requirements are for any person traveling from anywhere with any passport and traveling to anywhere with any stop on the way. Because as we know, when it's already quite complicated when we go from country A to country B, but as we all know, it becomes very complex when your passport maybe is not the same. I mean, it's not coming from your country of origin or destination. And maybe, you know, other requirements may apply and when you have to stop on the way. So, so the, 
first and foremost, it's about the uh, providing the platform where the proper information can be obtained in such a way that it's it's fed directly by governments, so that we we take out really the uncertainty of not having the right information at the right place and available to all stakeholders. So that's 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 number one. But when you talk uh, about platform, are you referring to an actual IT system that exchanges information? It's, it could be. It will probably be eventually. Uh, as you know, we are promoting this. This is being promoted through ICAO. ICAO is an organization where member states agree on minimum standards. Mm-hmm. And then they can recommend better standards. So what the form of this will be, we, we have, of course, many ideas of how this could work in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, we need also to remember that countries are sovereign, which means that the implementation of this can be a process aiming at a system that will really deliver all this, all this value. So at this stage, I think it's a bit early to say what kind of platform that will be. We know, of course, that technology offers tremendous resources to achieve this uh, in a cost-efficient manner very quickly. But we also need to think that the value of this is by integrating the um, requirements from all sovereign countries. So we'll have to be creative here and find a way to develop a platform that's very strong and that meets the needs of all countries at all times. So it might be a system that will take some time to implement, but yes, the ambition is exactly that. So that's that's number one. Number two, by having this kind of platform or this kind of exchange of information system, we can definitely improve or make the life of passengers and airlines easier. It also allows, in case of a crisis such as the one we have just lived through, establish a very fast communication platform. Instead of having tons of bilateral uh, relationships that are just time-consuming to, to put in place. I mean, when you, when you talk about aviation, it's not only one country. It's one country with all its partner countries. So with this initiative, we would have in place a very fast communication platform so that action can be taken quickly, but also would allow to inform our partners in, of the aviation system. If you remember what happened at the beginning of this, of this crisis, most governments had to make very fast decisions without much information and without any way to communicate to their partner countries or partner authorities in a very in an efficient way. So the way it was done, it was basically a head of state, you know, calling for a press conference and telling the world and their population that the country is closed without any previous coordination with other member states. So this cannot happen if we want to make our aviation system resilient. The resilience of the system means that we can communicate the proper information on time to the right people in such a way that we avoid the dramas that we have had in some cases with thousands of people stranded in foreign countries that are no longer able to go back to their own countries that are in breach of uh, residency requirements or visa requirements. So all these elements need to be, if we think about them before and, and we have the proper communication platform, mm-hmm. we are going to provide a much better service to passengers. We are going to increase the resilience of the system. We are going to avoid hurting that much the economic interest of all the stakeholders. 
Mm-hmm. So all this is part of this initiative. I guess that wouldn't prevent one of the member countries, for example, to kind of go its own way. I'm thinking here now, for example, I mean, we're seeing some countries are taking a much, much more strict approach to certain uh, yeah, certain restrictions because of different preferences, different political preferences locally or whatever. How much of a scope is there for countries to take their own actions between this framework? Uh, full, full latitude. I mean, we need to remember that countries are absolutely sovereign. Uh, the ambition is not to change what countries will do because every country makes decisions based on their own reality, their openness to the world, the, the need to protect maybe a, a very vulnerable population. Uh, it's going to be very different depending on your reliance on tourism, on your reliance on business. So there is absolutely no limitation in there. What we are talking about is communicating the right information as fast as possible so that decisions can be made in the best in the interest, in the best interest of the traveling public, uh, the airline, and, and the governments. But it's not about telling anyone mm-hmm. what needs to be done. That said, this platform also, since it allows a much faster and better communication between those parties that are involved in the decision making related to the management of uh, health uh, issues. I mean, hopefully, it won't be a pandemic like this one. It can be something much, much smaller by having this this approach. As we have a better understanding of what other countries are facing and doing with this better communication, I think that naturally it should lead to uh, a more harmonized decision-making. Let me give you one example. If we say we are confronted to to an emergency, the doctors in this country, technical recommendation is to have a, a quarantine of seven days and in this one of five days. Well, maybe by having a very fast communication between the, the parties, it becomes much easier to have to reach a consensus. And this way we can improve the life of passengers if the countries that decide to impose such a restriction can have a better coordination regarding the number of days during which they, they want to impose that restriction. But again, every country is sovereign. And this leads us to another aspect of, of this initiative, which is uh, the way to understand easily for passengers and airlines, what's the degree of openness of a country? If we have a country that decides to fully close its borders, it's absolutely their prerogative, their rights. And there is no need to discuss that because it's their decision. What we can do, though, is communicate quickly to all the stakeholders that this country has taken that very difficult decision. In practical terms for for the traveler, what would be the implication of this system coming into place? I'm thinking here, for example, right now, there's a certain conventions that when you buy a ticket, you have a number of, of codes, of naming conventions, etc. that are pretty much universally accepted. I don't know if this project would also provide, the, let's say, the, the basis, the infrastructure for this type of information to be codified in a way that is also universally accepted. And that has a a manifestation, a tangible manifestation in things like a a booking, for example, booking details or codes that you have to download in your phone or things like that. Mikael, you are absolutely spot on. Um, What we saw, the experience that we had during these uh, past couple of years is that it was very clear, it became very clear that additional information would be needed to travel safely. Uh, not only to, to ensure the safety of travelers, but also to ensure the safety of populations at the destination of that traveler, right? It's really universal in that sense. And 
countries, depending on their level of readiness, depending on the platforms that they had available, decided to implement systems that were as efficient as possible considering their current level of, uh, I mean, the level of their resources. And this led to tremendous disparities and differences in the systems that would be accepted everywhere on the planet from places where very quickly we saw some sophisticated systems based on apps and codes and uh, other kind of, of seals and other countries that were basically still relying on uh, pencil and paper uh, to a certain extent. And, and this is understandable. So what we are proposing here is say, hey, now that we're not under pressure because we don't have a time constraint now, why don't we think of what this standard could be in such a way that the future systems that are being built are absolutely aligned with these standards? And this is the beauty of ICAO, and this is the role of ICAO, is providing these minimum standards uh, that can be developed and discussed with all countries in such a way that we have a consensus regarding what is necessary, regarding what is desirable, and regarding what is achievable in a reasonable time frame, without having, again, this, this uh, emergency uh, situation. So yes, absolutely, you are completely correct, 100% correct, and this is a very large part of the ambition of this initiative. Mm -hmm. So now it's the ICAO convention coming up. I think it's in October, if I'm right. What are the milestones that are ahead for this project? Is it going to be approved in this assembly of ICAO? Or this is just a start of the road and it's going to be a much longer process until it becomes a reality? Well, it's a very important first step during the General Assembly. Typically what happens is that uh, member states propose working papers that present what they believe needs to be the future or should be the future of aviation. And the initiative is certainly part of, of this process. So the uh, Harmonizing Air Travel Initiative is, in practical terms, it's a, it's a working paper that has been submitted to uh, ICAO that has been shared with all the member states of ICAO and which will hopefully be approved during this General Assembly. What does that mean being approved? That means that there is an interest from a certain number of states to pursue some work in that direction. So that's the very first step. What's next? When this is done, this goes to the council and the council will be tasked with a very difficult decision of aligning the resources necessary for the implementation of all these working papers. Mm -hmm. And again, in this particular case, the support of different states is, is critical. Uh, there are several initiatives in the area related to what we are talking about. In the industry, the paper was extraordinarily well received. Some member states have fully supported that, that paper or are supporting uh, it and more are coming up. This working paper, uh, for those interested, is available online. I remember seeing a copy of it and I read it through. Uh, where can they find it? Uh, uh, from the ICAO website. Uh -huh. uh, we'll, have, we'll be happy to provide the, the link to the latest version of the, of the paper. Uh -huh. So uh, there is a, a link on the ICAO website. You need to look for the General Assembly that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And then there are certain categories of paper and you can just uh, access all of them. But we'll make sure that we provide this to... 
to those people who are kind enough to listen to us. Yeah, definitely. I, I will. I will add the link to in in the show notes. As uh, we just mentioned, yes, it needs to go through the uh, ICAO General Assembly. Then it needs to go to to the council that uh, will look at the resources necessary and uh, probably welcome some uh, support from from specific states. And then that goes into the implementation phase through the General Secretary of ICAO. It is a process, but at the same time, I believe that that can happen fairly quickly because the the value of of what is proposed here has been seen by many, uh, many countries already, also some of the major uh, industry players such as ICAO or ACI that have uh, expressed their uh, support. So ACI, the Airports Council International. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of this project as well. You know, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, when you lower the stress, when you increase the trust, you lower the stress of passengers. Passengers travel more. And... Uh, Passengers without stress, they go to the airports and they are happy to stand. So it's in everyone's benefit. Maybe right now we don't see yet uh, the full implications of what such an initiative would mean in terms of implementation, in yeah. terms of improvement for all stakeholders. Yeah, I remember reading the paper. You were quantifying the potential benefits at, I think, 1.3 or 1.4 trillion with a T of dollars. Absolutely. Um, because of, of the, uh, well, there's a methodology in, in the paper you can, that people can check it out. You're basically comparing the number of passengers, the number of trips that uh, hadn't been made uh, over a period of time and what could have been and what it was in reality because of all, the, all this demand that was not, didn't materialize because of the, all these barriers. So, so yeah, pretty impressive, pretty impressive figure. So you said, that there's a period of time for that. Is there, a, is there an estimate of an approximate time frame that for, for implementation? Hoping, hoping that uh, everything goes well in the approval process, uh, I, I would really hope that as early as the end of this year or the beginning of next year, technical teams could be actively uh, building some, some, of these, uh, some of the elements of, of this initiative. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it's actually pretty exciting. Pretty exciting, and at the same time, you know, I think this this speed and uh, that, that that's possible here is is very much related to to the ambition of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in this in this area. Mm-hmm. If if you want to actually achieve the numbers that you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, that are quite impressive in terms of of what you know uh, wants to be to be achieved. You you need number one to go fairly fast, but you you need also to be innovative, which means that you need to offer better services uh, that can be delivered in a very predictable way and that uh, work very much on, on the trust and building this, this trust of travelers. So, so it's, a, it's a whole, you know, it's an initiative that, that behind that is part of an effort that opens up many aviation, uh, business aviation opportunities in the kingdom. I mean, just, just putting it, looking at it like this, if, if you can improve the way you travel, if you can improve the experience for passengers, well, guess what? People like the path of least resistance, correct? Right. So uh, this is very much aligned with this, this overall vision that, uh, that Saudi Arabia has. And I'm mentioning this because, you know, we are consultants. We are, we are advisors and we are 
welcomed by authorities who actually embrace ideas and concepts and initiatives that they are fully supporting and because it fuels the implementation of their vision. And, and I believe that this is, again, quite, quite exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll be then attentive at this ICAO convention to see how it goes with this initiative. Pretty ambitious. I'm going to be posting links to all this work paper and all the other relevant parties in the show notes. Um, just left for me to, well, thank you very much for, for your time today. I know you have another call uh, soon after. So we're going to leave it here. But yeah, thank you so much. And I'll definitely keep an eye on, on this very interesting initiative. Mikael, thank you so very much for giving us the opportunity of sharing what, what is not only, as I mentioned earlier, our, our work, but also our passion. Thank you very much. Bye. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you're using or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much and see you soon.